Welcome to Crossroads Church. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity throughout the year. And really during these last two years that have been just hard on so many people in so many ways, we all face hard times. And today we're going to continue our theme of overcomer. Overcomer. And we're all um, to be overcomers in the Lord Jesus Christ, more than conquerors through him who has loved us. Amen. Jesus says in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that you may have peace, my peace, right? In this you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And while we can have the peace of God, we're still going to have trials and struggles in our life. So cheer up and smile in the process. And, and why do we have these hard times to begin with? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and we're going to touch on some of those reasons uh, this morning. But from the start, we need to understand that the devil's real, and he really hates you. He really, really hates you. He wants to harm you in so many different ways. He wants to attack you and in various ways and at various times. Satan also uses people. He utilizes people in this process. And some are innocent in the process, but some are very evil and purposeful in the process as well to promote what he wants to, uh, to do. But however it comes your way, it's, it's not fun to be attacked by Satan or any of his, his minions. But attacks will come and they will continue to come until Christ uh, until, until he's cast into the abyss, I should say, during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And during the millennial reign of Christ, which is a thousand-year reign of Christ, uh, which I believe and teach in this church that it'll be after the rapturing of the saints and after the seven-year uh, tribulation or times of trouble on earth, well, God's wrath is going to be poured out on those who are left behind. His wrath is not being poured out right now. It's just tri tribulation. It could be hard times and troubling times. So after the tribulation, the, the church will re uh, return to earth and lock Satan up for a, a thousand years. Christ and will be able to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. He will set up his kingdom and we will rule with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe um, when this happens, we will be restored or the earth will be restored and re uh, repaired in the sense to the Garden of Eden type uh, life on earth. But it goes beyond the borders now. It goes beyond the borders of the Garden of Eden. Eden. And the earth will flourish uh, because of Christ's love and his leadership and his mercy and his grace. And it's going to fill the earth. But until then, darkness overshadows the earth and in the earth that we dwell on in so many ways. And so we must learn how to operate and overcome uh, darkness in the meantime. And so this message this morning is going to be overcoming darkness. Overcoming darkness as we move from the darkness to the light. But we can't do this with just natural uh, means. You must do it through the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in operation in us and through us. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. I have just one simple verse, and 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. And church, even during hard times, troubling times, we may declare the praises of the King Jesus, of him who loved us, amen? amen, and called us out of darkness into his wonderful life, light, I should say. Let's pray. Father God, open our eyes to see with more clarity, to walk and work in your light, to move out of darkness into your wonderful light. Bless these words, bless your people, encourage them today, oh God, help them to have ears to understand, Lord, what you're trying to say today, Lord. Give them cheer and joy this, this day and throughout this week and into this new year, regardless of what they see with their natural eyes and what they're feeling right now. I pray blessings over all that's said and done in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Satan wants you to live in darkness. Satan wants to see you destroyed and live in darkness and live a defeated life, but that's not what the Lord has for you today or really in your life. Satan wants to attack us and keep us down and off mission, but again, that's not what the Lord wants for his people. Satan tries to attack us and keep us down in just so many ways, and he will fill our hearts in a sense with anxiety and fear and, and doubt. He wants you to stay isolated and 
alone confused and filled with anger and question things like, why am I sick? Why aren't things going my way? Why, why have I lost loved one? Why have this or that happened to me? Satan hates when you pray and fears when you come to church and gather uh, because to become part of the community of believers, he hates it and he hates you and he wants you to stay distracted and your mind off mission and he wants you to stay isolated from people. But we have been created by God as social beings to be in community, to be near each other, and in a sense to be able to touch the hem of the Lord's garment, to, to touch the leper, to, to greet one with a holy kiss, to lay hands on, on someone and pray for them, to anoint with oil. We live uh, in community and we gather and encourage one another. And then, then we're supposed to go out into into the streets, into the marketplace, but not alone. We do it with people. We do it empowered and encouraged to promote and model the things of God. That's how we do it. So uh, fight that urge to purposefully live out your life um, of faith from your couch. Mostly talking to people at home because you're here today. But we have to be careful that we just don't want to live out our life of faith from the couch. I don't believe that's, that's from God. Uh, many have intentionally stopped coming to church, not because they're sick, not because of the virus anymore, not really for any good reason, has become a way of life that is often motivated by fear and complacency and comfort. Now, TV Land is uh, really a new community for, for many uh, believers these days. In a sense, I get it. It's easy, it's safe, it's secure. And we're very thankful for the opportunity to have social media and, you know, like the phone. Um, it can connect with people anywhere in the world, 24-7. It crosses the uh, large oceans in, in a moment without uh, needing a plane or a bridge or, or a ship. It's very um, inexpensive in a sense, right? And so I believe that we should be using technology. It's a good thing, uh, a blessing, and it benefits many of us. But I don't believe it was ever meant to be the main way that the church, that Ecclesia, gathers together, remotely from our couches through the phone or computer lenses. Now, sometimes it's the only way, and, and I get that. Uh, but once the enemy gets alone, gets us alone, and gets us isolated, all remotely just viewing through these mediums, he could just shut us down with one a power grid, uh, turn off, right? Uh, block a certain website, links or programs. We see this happening and churches then will become powerless. They can't, they can't turn their power on anymore, isolated and left in darkness, right? But once, once, we, once we, this becomes the main way and we become isolated and at home and the power grid gets shut down, the word of God starts and stops entering the home in many ways. And once we train ourselves that this is our primary way of worshiping through a glass lens, then darkness can easily overtake our homes and our lives as we stay in isolation. And Satan wants to keep us in darkness. He absolutely wants to do that. And Satan has many, many ways that he can cause havoc and destruction in our lives. He's a liar and his natural tongue is deceit and he watches and he knows and he, he targets our weaknesses and he listens to what you grumble and you say and the attitude that you have inside your heart. And so we must fight the urge uh, to fall into these snares and these traps. There's so many things that we have to fight, and I'm just going to list a few of them, but over the next several weeks and, and months ahead, we'll touch on some of them. Fear, anger, procrastination, failure, doubt, temptation, guilt, worry, discouragement, right? And the list goes on and on what stops us from doing our, our call and work. And if we're not careful, these things will fill your heart, and they will fill your mind and take over your life, and, and it confuses a lot of people. But the Lord has given us win, winning strategies in these holy scriptures to combat Satan and fight this, this darkness. And, and when disappointments come and hurt and pain uh, come your way, you can still have God's peace uh, and be an overcomer. Amen? You can be an overcomer, but it must, it takes action. You have a part to play in all of this, and we must learn and grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of his word. We must get closer to God in prayer and praise and and, and, do, and do his will if we want to become an overcomer. And, and, and we start shining forth his, his light to a broken, lost, and a hurting world. But it takes purposeful action on our part. Uh, you get up and go to work. And you got to get up and be a Christian every day. Get up and do what you're supposed to do. And, and God has equipped us to be an overcomer. And, and nothing that Satan can throw at us or our way or place in front of us can stop us. 
If we continue to walk in Christ's authority and, and love and wisdom and power. Amen. Now, this idea of overcoming is a military word, right? We are to conquer. We are to overcome the enemy, but not be overcome by the enemy. But as humans, we often have allowed the enemy to get close to us, to get, to get into the inner chambers, right? And allowed us in many ways into our home and into our churches. And we allow it to divide and to separate us from God and from his presence. And when that happens, darkness starts to take over. Fear and pain and shame and the list goes on and on. In the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we learn that God created Adam and Eve. In fact, we learned that everything that is and was is created by God. And that's the God that we serve, the God of creation, not just any God, the God of creation. In Genesis 3, we learned that the serpent, who is Satan, the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he starts to speak to Eve and, and he starts to challenge God's word and, and, and confuses her heart. And Satan gets her to sin and eat from this forbidden tree. Eve was deceived, the Bible said. Now, that didn't stop there. And her husband was there, and, and she brought her husband to this as well. And sin will do this. It will always take you further than you want to go, and it will always stay around longer than you want it to stay. In Genesis 3, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, and for food and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them, the Bible says, was open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed some uh, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And as we read in this great book of the Bible, we learn that this is when sin enters uh, the, the world, the, the, the earth. And then, the, and then the Adam and Eve are cast out of the presence of God and their bodies were, that were made and meant to live for eternity, right? And as now is, is darkness and death and, and decay, it, it starts entering the world. But God did not leave them there, praise God. He didn't stop there, nor does he leave us in darkness and powerless and in despair. He makes a way uh, for us to return to his presence. And, and Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 is a great portion of scripture. Prophetically, it tells us, uh, what God will do in the future. In verse 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and, and between you, your offsprings, and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now we know this is foreshadowing the cross and, and redemption, where Jesus will conquer the sting of death, which is sin, and we'll speak more about that in a few moments. And now we refer to the sin of Adam and Eve as the fall of man. But we know it's not just about the fall. It's not just that they fell. They, we fall. We sin as well. And the truth is, all sin. All have sinned. And while our choices might look different and, and cause each one of us might have something else that causes us to stumble, we sin. And we still make choices. And the, over, the only way to overcome sin and darkness is through Christ Jesus and taking steps for him forward in faith towards God and away from sin. And there are choices that we must absolutely make every day. Now, Peter starts this chapter two here by saying, lay aside or rid yourself of these things. And then he gives us a, a, a list of several things. And I'm going to read this list. In a, and and, and when, you, when we read it, just think about it for a moment, how we can love God and others rightly as we get rid of these things that are listed here. First Peter chapter two, verses one and three says, Therefore, rid yourself of malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. King James Version says, lay aside all evil speaking. And we see that absolutely running rampant through our, our, our society and the media, right? We see that. Verse 2, like <clears throat> newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by you, you may, by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, that the Lord is gracious. Praise the name of the Lord. With these verses, we see that there's levels of progression and development that should naturally be taking place and should be spiritually taking place as well. We should move from infants to adults, from newborn uh, Christians, young in their faith, to maturing adults in their faith. And this is the normal progression and normal growth 
in the life process and in our faith walk with God. And we should bask or be bait in the presence and love of God Almighty. From craving milk, spiritual milk, to growing up in, in your salvation, this is progression. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in just one moment of time or one, or one sitting. And I'm constantly saying, there's more to come after salvation. There's more to do after salvation, right? So before we start our faith walk with God, before this progression and growth happens to, or takes place, there must be an awakening in our hearts, a transformation of our heart and life and souls from darkness to light. We must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word of God. Before we even try to crawl and live a life pleasing to God, we need to receive him into our heart and into our life, right? Yes. Amen? So many people want God's blessing in their life as if they're a child of God and they never became a child of God. They never received him. So many people want the easy life but, but, and they think that's what Christianity is all about, but they don't want the crucified life. Christians are to lay down their will and life to Jesus, for Jesus, and follow the cross, and follow Christ and His will and His ways. Now, are Christians blessed? Absolutely, Christians are blessed. In fact, you might be able to say, we're all blessed. Everyone's blessed. Sinner and saint is blessed. Even if they don't realize it on the surface, they're blessed. It is God who gives them their, their life. It's God who gives them their abilities, their talents, their treasures, right? Uh, a mind to think, a mind to process, to make choices in their life. That's a gift from God. They think they just did it all on their own. Many have never nourished these gifts or understood them or used them for his glory. Now, some of you, many of you, many people, even non-Christians could do many things. We see this all through Hollywood, we see it in the arts, we see it in the creative areas of, of people, movies that are made, the vision that some people have, the creativity that they have. These are all God-given gifts and so often just not being used for the development and growth of the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. But they were meant to help. They were meant to be used for the kingdom of God and for us all to enjoy. Just They're not using it that way. And just like Satan himself, a created being with all these amazing gifts and abilities, have selfishly went astray and is doing his own thing and is not being done no longer for the glory of God. And he's lost. He's lost. But you're not lost. Not yet. Hallelujah. In any case, becoming a Christian is a process. It's a process. We often crawl before we walk, right? We crawl so often before we run. We're a child of uh, a child before we are an adult. And we understand that in the natural realm, but do we really understand this in the spiritual realm? We want you to be mature in your faith walk with God and overcome darkness. That's a goal, that's a goal, but it takes time. So over overcoming darkness starts with salvation, um, which moves you from, from sinner to saint. But that's not the end of the, the journey. There's more to do, there's more to come. And we want you to grow in your faith and knowledge and mature in your faith while living and working and serving on earth. And it takes work. It takes effort on your part. You have to work at it. Jesus saved you first. But you have a, a part in the developmental process. And too many baby Christians are trying to act and live out an adult life. And all that does is create problems for them and for us around them. Like if you were eight years old trying to drive your car... Um, without no manual, without no teaching, uh, no idea how to drive or control the car, but just press the gas and go, 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 go. And that's dangerous. And that's dangerous for others besides yourself, right? Many can get hurt in the process, and many do get hurt in the process when we misunderstand the process. You must understand how to stop, how to brake, how to slow things down, how to control the vehicle that, that one is driving. He must understand the road ahead can be very dangerous. And so slow down and brake and be aware, right? So this takes time, it takes practice, it takes skill, it takes knowledge, it takes development. And it's not just age, it takes work at it before one can drive safely. Same way it is with your faith journey and your walk with God, it takes time. And young people in their faith, and I don't mean young in age, I mean young in their faith, when they make mistakes, and they will make mistakes, they will fail, right? They will fall. So instead of the church just kicking them out and have nothing to do with them or turning their back on them, we need their love. 
We need to give them love. We need to show them love, right? And help walk them through the mistakes and failures because we don't want them to stay as infants or, or baby children, right? We want them to grow and mature and function like adults. And so as a newborn baby craves their mother's milk, we ought to crave the Word of God. I hope you crave the Word of God and taste and see that the Lord is good and taste and see that the Lord is gracious. This word crave or desire is strong word too. Church, what do you crave? What do you desire? What is it that you want to see done in your life, in your church, in your home, in your community, and in your country? What is it that you desire? But that's, does that go beyond the thought process? Do you actually take action? Will you actually have a part in fulfilling that desire? Or do you expect everyone else around you to do it for you and to get you up and, and force you to do something? Or can you just do it on your own because you desire it and you're seeking after it and you want it? A healthy baby craves milk. It yearns for it. A healthy baby, normal baby will crave these things. It starts crying, right? Um, and when it doesn't get it, it cries some more. It's, it's natural. It's instinctive. It knows how to cry. It says, I'm hungry. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't do that. It, it just it cries, right? It just cries. And since words and, 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 right? It doesn't do that, right? Caitlin, it doesn't do that, right? And words and languages are, are hard to express as infants. And so they don't have all the muscles and the ability to communicate and make all the distinct sounds that it takes for, for language and all the thinking that's involved for identifiable language and words and sentences. So they just cry and they babble and, and they make some noises and they can express themselves with tears and cries of hunger, for example. And mom comes along with her milk or, or in, in the form of a bottle, a baby bottle, and, and they warm it up in formula. And mom and dad and those around who love this child can give, can give support and help and, and warm up the bottles and, and help serve and come along, mommy and the baby, and, and care for them, right? Create a healthy environment, a lifestyle, a, a healthy environment for this baby to, to grow up and mature. Infants, babies crave food naturally and attention from others to take care of them. And the process is, is really the same in the kingdom of God. It sounds a little different, but it is the same. We must crave God's words, right? Feed on his words as we develop our eating habits are going to change. We're going to one day maybe learn how to hunt for food and, and feed ourselves as we mature. And we learn to read God's word daily and pray daily and praise him daily and worship him on a regular basis. And we often do this in community, not just alone at home. But one thing we should never lose sight of for sure as we grow and develop in this faith, this idea of craving for more of God's words. Crave God's words and we overcome and push back darkness in the process. We must crave his word. Crave this book. Read this book. Meditate on it night and day. Paul says to Christians who while they should be adults, he says, y'all still acting like infants is what he says in first Corinthians. That's what he said, y'all. He said, y'all. First Corinthians 3 beginning at verse 1. He says, I cannot address you as spiritual, but as worldly. He, re he refers to that as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still acting like the world. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, and, and you're not worldly, and you're not acting like mere, mere men, right? And I would say grumbling, complaining, and mm, right? We have, to over get, we have to get over these attitudes, that people have. You see, our actions often express our maturity. Our actions often express our maturity. When a baby crawls and cries and grumbles and complains, you expect that. They're babies. Babies do that. They're children. They haven't learned or found a better way to express themselves yet. But when adults continue to do that, it's kind of strange. It's kind of weird. And we would say you're acting like a baby. Right? We all know that. And we start helping other people grow in their faith and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and grow in their relationship with God. We're teaching them and helping them to become disciples. And this is what we're called to do. Make disciples. And making disciples 
is when a more mature adult comes alongside of someone else in their faith and tries to help them manage their feelings and expressions and in a godly fashion. It's when we try to model Christ in our life and so that others can see us modeling it out and living it out. It's when you take someone alongside with you and you mentor them and you teach them and some would call it coaching, I call it mentoring, right? Because I'm not here to tell you what to do, I'm here to, to lead you and, and point in a certain direction. So I see it more as mentoringship, not coaching when I have some of these relationships that take place. When you, have a, when you coach a team, you tell them always what to do. When you mentor, you're leading. They have to make certain decisions, right? So when you're, when you're doing that with other people, bring them along, but it's their life. You, can't, they can't, you cannot want it more than they want it. They have to get up and they have to go. And try feeding a baby a nice juicy steak when they don't have teeth. They're only, and they've only been drinking milk, right? It's not, it's not good. It's not going to work well. It takes time to, to mature. It takes time to grow, grow teeth, right? To be able to digest certain food. Their system's not ready for that meat at that time. But, but stick with it and stick with them. And eventually the process will happen. And so we're all coming to this at different levels in, in our life and where we are. Stick it. Stick with it. Stay with it. Continue to, to press on. Remember, the goal is not to stay as infants, as babies for our entire life. Grow up. Mature in your faith. Church, we are to mature. And this doesn't typically happen in a vacuum. It happens in, in community. It happens with other like-minded believers. We're to come along saints of God and help them and encourage them to grow and develop in their calling and become mature people of God. We, we help them with their faith walk with God. This takes time. This takes patience. This takes love. This takes making a call when you don't see people and say, where are you? I haven't seen you in a, in a week or two weeks or three months or a year, right? We have to care for our neighbors and reach out to them. And it should start in the house of God. It should start in your house, loving your wife, your, your husband, your children. And then it goes further and further out. And it should happen in the church. We need to model that in the church. Never get tired of hearing the word of God either. Even when you hear it for 20 or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, there's something about the simple truth of the gospel message that we cannot lose sight of. Jesus, who is God, born of a virgin, came to earth to live and dwell with us, with, with us, with human beings, right? And eventually was led to the cross to die. He gave his life so that we can gain our life and have eternal life and a, and a forever relationship with him for those who are obediently trust and put their faith in him and him alone. Many a man, many a person has gone to the cross, but, but Jesus didn't just die. He arose. He arose again. He conquered the grave, right? He is alive. He is the resurrected Savior. He is alive. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we, we have life, eternal life. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. While our bodies die and decay, we can have spiritual life in him and be with him forever. So Satan wants us to live in darkness, but Jesus wants us to live in the light. He wants us to live in the light. He wants us to bring us into the life. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 57 says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus has overcome He's the overcomer. He has overcome the cross. He is, he is the light in this dark world. He, he has, Jesus has overcome darkness. He has overcome yes. the grave. He has yes. overcome the sting of death, which is sin. Right. And because of the fall, because of, of, of sin, we die. And, we're, and, we, and if we're left that way, we're, we become banished from his presence for eternity. For those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior of their life, they will overcome darkness. And they will be victorious in Christ Jesus. They will become overcomers in Him and through Him. And they will start to shine the light of God wherever they go and whatever they do. As they live for Him and they take Him with them. As they mature, they will lay aside malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and slander and envy. It's a slander of every kind. This has to do with an attitude of your heart, of my heart, of our heart. And as they receive the word 
of God, they will grow in their love and faith and their words and deeds and actions will start to align with the scriptures and with what God wants us to do and how we should live. Now, many are going to reject this gospel truth, the message of Christ, that he is the savior of the world. Many are going to reject that, that he came to set the captives free, right, and remove the sting of death. And so darkness is going to remain in their life. That's just how it works. That's not your fault. That's, that's their fault. They don't want to receive Christ. But those who come to him, he will move you from darkness into the light. He will move you from death to life. And we come to him, we become overcomers in Christ Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, 4 through 6 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God as precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Christ is the living stone rejected by man. But to those who receive him, we're born again believers. And once we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, we too become like living stones. And we live because we are connected to him. Jesus is the source of life. It is through our union with him that we're saved. It is by our faith that we place in him that we find salvation. Now, as Israel was chosen by God to, to serve, to sacrifice, and be blessed by God, they were also to reveal the God of creation to other nations. Now, we too, as Christians, are also chosen by God. You need to understand that to sacrifice, to serve, uh, to give, to go, to be blessed, and also to reveal the God of creation to other people. We are a holy priesthood, is what the Word of God says, to offer up uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 says it this way, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. While Jesus will build up his church, he often does this through people. He does this through people like you and me and us. And so we are to offer our sacrifices and services pleasing unto God. He will help us. He will lead us. And he will guide us in this process. And we're not to do it by ourselves. We're not to do it alone. We're not to do it in our wisdom and work. No, we work unto God and we, we grow and, and develop in his wisdom and with his guidance. And not to be lived out alone on our own. It's also supposed to be done in community. We are to help and encourage one another. Amen? Spurgeon says, while preaching at the age of 16, he asked this question about those who place their faith in Christ, who is the chief cornerstone. And I quote, Is Jesus precious to your soul? Remember, your answer to this question depends on your condition. You believe if he is precious to you, but if he is not precious, then you are not precious. Believers, you are condemned already because you, have believe, because you have believed not on the Son of God. 16 years old, preaching a powerful word of God. The cornerstone of a building is often the starting point. If it's not leveled or built on a solid ground, then the whole foundation or building is weak, or the rest of the building will simply tilt or simply not be leveled. And so this cornerstone must be set from the beginning, right? But it's also considered a capstone, a finishing stone. Matthew 21, 42 says, Jesus says to them, have you never read the scripture that the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes. So Jesus is, is the rock. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end, right? Jesus is our rock. He is our firm foundation. And everything should be built on him and his word and his wisdom and his guidance. Selah. 
I should say, in this great quietness and pause. Now, some people think it's all about them. Or some people think it's all about Israel. Now, let me be careful how I shape this part of the, of the message for sure. Israel was chosen by God to be his people, chosen people. But we know it doesn't end there. Genesis, we see in Genesis, um, we learn that God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. But we know that man and women and people sin and turned away from God, so they're cast out of the, the garden. We know that from Scripture that they will eventually um, this world and, 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 and will become dark and so evil that God will destroy it with a great flood. We know that. We know that happened. And after the flood, everyone was destroyed but Noah and his family. And, and they start over again. Do over. Mulligan. Right? That was a golf thing. So Genesis chapter 9, we learn that God blessed Noah and his son and is saying, Be fruitful and increase in numbers and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon the beasts of the earth and the, all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the flesh of the sea. They are, they are given into your hands, into your hands. And once again, over time, man continues to be depraved and depravity sets in and sin sets in and darkness of their hearts get worse and worse and they continue to go astray and do their own things. And then it leads now in scripture, in history to the Tower of, of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, it explains the process even further that man, um, instead of being fruitful and multiplying and increasing in numbers, they tried to build a tower in disobedience to God's words, right? And, and they go their own way. Genesis 11 verse 4 says, Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the, to the heavens so that, so that we may have a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth, of the whole earth. Now I want you to notice something for a moment. Um, they were building it for who? For themselves, it says. Trying to make a name for themselves instead of doing what God called them to do. To be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Church, we see much of the same things happening today. We just don't identify it that way. As the world gets more uh, evil and darkness starts overshadowing us and the people, people start getting off track and get off mission and they start doing their own things and in many ways they stay home, they stay isolated and alone instead of being fruitful and going into the world and going into the churches and going into the communities, right? And this doesn't please God that this stuff is not happening. Many churches are built on man's methods and ways and they're building it for themselves and trying to make a name for themselves. But I want to be clear. I want to see Crossroads Church and this community of believers flourish. I want to see these doors to stay open and people to worship and developing in their walk with God. But it must be on, built on the right reasoning and, and built on the right motivations of the heart and on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not being built on Pastor Anthony. It's not being built on the leadership of this church. It's not being built... In, through natural means either. Now we know there's bills that need to be paid, right? And property that needs to be maintained. And, and while we support missions and missionaries around the world, and thank God for givers and senders and people that are doing this, but it's not, it's not what the church is being built on either. If we're not careful, we build with natural means. And we stop hearing from a supernatural God. We're supposed to be building the church with supernatural means, empowered by God, right? Through power, love, and the authority, He sent them out. And so we're called to do that. After salvation, not before salvation. It's after salvation. It's after learning to love and to submit to God. We're called to make disciples. And by the way, this is not a suggestion to do. This is a command for every believer, commissioned by God to do. We are to, we are to grow and, and have faith and mature in our faith. And we do that as we're through modeling Christ in our life for others to see. We do it through prayer and praise, through teaching and, and preaching and worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth. Again, we do this in community. We do this through obedience. We do this through modeling and showing the love 
to the lost world. But yes, it starts in your church. It starts, it starts in you first. Yes, we want to spread his love and his ways throughout the entire earth. We want everyone to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. Yes, that's what we want. And when we do these things, our church, our people will start to develop and grow and mature in their faith. And, and as they live and as they work and as they and they go forth in their calling and God is going to empower them and, and they will affect those around them and in very different ways and it'll look different from person to person. The goal is not to just keep uh, the church doors open and maintaining property. That's not the goal. The goal is not to have 50 different uh, ministries running and operating through this building and everyone running around overwork trying to figure out how they can juggle life, kids, work, work, work. The goal, the command, the commission is to make disciples, to equip the saints for ministry, for ministry, to grow up in faith, to draw people closer to a holy God as they grow and as they mature in their faith. Then their giftings are going to be released through them, through society, through life, right? Because it's going to keep overflowing out of their love for God, out of their maturing in their faith. They will continue to make disciples wherever they are, wherever they go. And so we gather, we celebrate, we praise Him, right? We serve Him, we learn about these things in community, in unity. And then, then we leave, you got to go. You can't stay here, you got to go then and continue to live it out and then you come back and we celebrate and praise and we unite again and then you go out again and then you live for him taking the glory of God to your home to the marketplace to the streets to your community to your, to your motorcycle crew to whatever it is right that's the way we're supposed to live we we learn we we grow we go connect with people grow in your faith and knowledge then go in the power and the authority of of God it's a process and when we operate rightly and follow his ways, we push back darkness and lives will be uh, transformed and changed by the power of God. Remember this. Listen up. Remember this. The Lord didn't go around trying to grow the fish business to create a retirement program for, for Peter, James, and John. Nor did he give them a boatload of, of fish to just feed the poor. No, that's not what he did. In Matthew 4 verse 19, Jesus said, come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they left their, their businesses, right? And they, they followed him and they served him and they became disciples of him. And then they matured in their faith. This is what discipleship making is all about. It starts with salvation and it progresses and it moves to making disciples. This was about making disciples and moving them in this process along the line. And so remember, to overcome darkness, we must put forth the light of God. Jesus is the light of God. May it shine brightly in you, church, in your church, in your home, and then in your communities, and let it go further and further and grow brighter and brighter and brighter. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God. Underline that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. And not only we called out of darkness, but we're called to something. Out of darkness to something, to Christ, to the light. We're called to be the light, into the light, right? So now we're called to Christ and then we become light as well. And we're to bring his glory and shine forth his glory brightly wherever we go. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So as we follow the Lord and his will and his ways, we will not walk in darkness, but in the light. And I want to remind us all today that we are called, every one of us are called to make disciples, even couch potatoes. Everyone's called to do this. Everyone's called to do this if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how, how it's done, it varies from church to church, from place to place, from people to people. And while methods change, the method of Christ does not change. We're to teach others about his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And, and we do this stone by stone, brick by brick, person by person. Hallelujah.
takes time to build a building. It will take time to help others to grow and mature in the knowledge of Christ and in their faith. So church, I tell you to have patience. Have patience with each other. Have patience with your children. Have patience. Have patience with others that you meet who don't think like you, who don't understand things your way. Have patience, especially inside the church. If we don't have patience for each other inside the church that we're growing at all different levels, forget about going into the street. You're wasting your time. Because if you can't do it here in your own home, you're not doing it well on the street, trust me. And if you are, you're doing it backwards. I got to tell you. Because it starts in your local home, in your local community, and then it works outwards. Help people mature in their faith. Don't add to their pain and their, and their suffering, right? And so smile more. Praise more. Can your worship be a little bit louder? Can your expressions be a little bit more excitable? I got to tell you, there's times that I see people grumbling and I'm going, I don't want to be with them. Thank God I have the love of Jesus because there's times I don't like certain people. I'm just saying. He didn't say we have to like people. He has, we have to love them in Christ Jesus. So I love you all in Christ Jesus. But, but sometimes it's trying. Sometimes it's hard. We're going to bring the light with us because God dwells in us. I, don't, you, I know you all feel that same way to some degree. Or you don't understand what I'm saying, which is worse. To those who love and trust Jesus Christ, we will have the light of, of life in us. While the Holy Spirit convicts, Jesus saves. And at salvation, we know that the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. So we become carriers of his glory. You're a carrier of his glory. You're a carrier of his glory. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a carrier of his glory. Wherever you go, bring his light. We're a chosen people. And this goes beyond Israel. Um, now to all believers, we are a chosen priesthood belonging to God. We're called to be ministers of the gospel. We have different functions and different responsibilities, and we're all developing at different levels and speed, but we're all ministers, young and old, tall or short, right? It doesn't matter. We are called to sacrifice, to serve, to give, to go. We are called to take his light with us. To model Christ in all that we do. Again, young or old. Everyone working. Everyone helping. Everyone serving. Everyone growing in, in the kingdom of God. And helping those around them. Declaring the things of God. Developing and then deploying others to go as well and do the same. That's the process. Declare. Develop. Deploy. Working all together in unity and, and prayer and praise to help proclaim the gospel message in various ways. Now some of these words that I'm using... I get from various books, but it comes out of the Bible when you put this all together. Now again, the problem that we often face is this. Many people are still infants. They're still babies. They're still walking as babies in their faith, never maturing, never having a real juicy steak. I don't know about you, but I, I just sometimes like to have a nice juicy steak. And when they're not maturing... They're actually hurting the gospel message from going out. You've heard, you've heard the saying that hurt people hurt people. Well, I want to tell you that stagnant and defeated people who can't walk in the faith of God are, are, are hurting the kingdom of God. Where they're hurting themselves and they're hurting others who see them. Why? Because uh, people are so often just living like the devil and they're living these defeated lives while proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And so they're not pointing people to Jesus rightly and properly in their actions and their words and their deeds. Right? They're not aligning with the Holy Scriptures. And while they might seem like adults, they're actually infants in their thinking and actions. And the world sees that. And the world understands it in, in some ways. And, and when they see them acting like a baby, they, they're very concerned. But it's worse when it happens inside your church. It's worse. And I listen and I watch people here and, and there and other, other houses of worship. And there are times that I just want to yell out and say, stop it. Please don't tell them you're a Christian. Please don't tell them. Tell them you're a baby Christian and you still need your binky and you're really not living right. And so therefore they don't hold the entire kingdom of God uh, uh, against you. Because when they see God in you, they don't want it anymore. You're pointing people away from the cross and away from Jesus and away from his power and authority. I ask it this way. If, if what you do and say, if we were all to copy what you do and say, 
Will we be pointing people to Christ? And I would say no wonder why it's a mess. And people aren't maturing in their faith. And I'm, I know this message is going out. So we know from, from the, the algorithms that this is going out all over the world. I don't really, it, it's mind-blowing at times. It, who, who looks at this? In Germany. Japan. I, I don't get it. Hello, everybody out there. I, I really don't, I don't, under, I don't understand it at times. It's mind-blowing. But wherever you are, wherever you live, mature in your faith. Read this Bible. Study this and then find people who read this Bible and study this book. We're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar and special people. Do you feel special? I hope you do. You're in Christ Jesus. We belong to Christ now, it says. We are no longer live for ourselves. And so we must behave a certain way and act a certain way. Not because we're forced to, like my wife said earlier, because we get to. We get to represent, we get to serve, we get to give, we get to go. We get to live out wherever we go. When you say you're a Christian, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, it should mean something. In today's society and standard, it means nothing but pain and shame. So often. I don't want to put everyone in that bucket like I just did. But I'm telling you, it just seems that way at times. When you're a disciple of Christ, that means you're walking in the light. You're operating in the light, right? You're acting like Christ did to the best of your ability. We don't do it in a fake or phony way or a forced way, but a godly way. Amen? Amen? Because he is the way, and we believe in him. And if we believe in him, we obey his words and his commandments. We want to be like him, so we start modeling him in life, in deed, in action. Perfectly? No, of course not. None of us are perfect. But we want to move towards him, and we want to represent him well in life, in deed, in liberty. And as children and disciples, we are to walk in the light, walk in the power, walk in the authority of God. But too often we walk in darkness because we're not operating in the light. We're not operating in the power of God. And then we sit home and we study and we're students and we're trying to figure out why life is so hard on us. And, and we have no way to turn because we haven't turned on the light. So we keep crashing and burning as we're walking in darkness instead of walking in the light. Remember, we are people of the light. Once we were not people. Right? Once we were not his children. Once we were walking in darkness and banging into things and crashing into things. But now the light's turned on. And now things should look different and be different. People of God. Once walking in darkness, now in the light. Once we were without his privileges. But now we receive his mercy. Now we receive his forgiveness. Now, now we receive his love. Now we become children of God. So we ought to proclaim uh, the praises of him um, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're not just saved to make it to heaven, church, right? We, we're going to end up in heaven if you're saved, if we remain faithful to the end. Nor are we, are we saved to just be on an elite team, right? Team Jesus. Yet we are on an elite special force team. Once saved, we're on team Jesus. And with that comes special rights and special power and special authority and special privileges and special responsibilities. It would be saved in Christ Jesus to have a forever relationship with him. We're to be proclaimers of his news, yes. word, life, and action, helping others and support the kingdom of God in many different ways. So Peter starts to explain this again in, in verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from sinful desire that war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This world's not our home. This world is not our, our final destination. And once saved, our citizenship then becomes in heaven. And we are to abstain from fleshly lust and do good. Do good things. Now our flesh, our flesh brings us towards sin. It brings us towards death. It wars against our soul, the Bible says. And we are to fight the good fight. We are to fight against sin and the lust of the flesh. We are to fight against darkness and fight against evil and put forth God's plan and, and purpose throughout the earth, proclaiming and, and, and showing uh, his, his message, how we conduct. Our life should be honorable, doing good deeds, deeds, the word says. And even while men and people might speak evil about you, your godly con conduct will speak volumes to them. 
Your life actions and your life words, right, are supposed to reveal Christ rightly to a lost and dying world, giving hope and pointing to a greater future hope. It's invisible, right? Faith, we were talking about this last night. It's, it's, a, it's, it's hope. And, and I, I believe in him even if I don't always see the outcome. That's faith. Putting your trust in a holy God. Trusting him, not trusting the outcome. We pray that God's kingdom will advance more and more souls will be saved. Now, darkness overshadows the world in so many ways today. We see it, the way people live and the way that the people govern and lead us. We see how people along the way behave and what they do and say, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. The light of Christ is exposed, exposes what happens in the darkness. It's like, taking a, it's like being in a dark room and, and taking a little match and lighting it, and all of a sudden the room starts to illuminate. We've all done that, or, but if, you, if you're too young, don't do that without your parents' permission, okay? <laughs> As we start to fill our hearts and mind with the light of God, darkness is overcome. Our job as believers is to make disciples, to expose people to the light of Christ Jesus with word, deed, and action, sacrificing and serving, giving and going. Others will continue to fall in love with Christ too. It starts in your home. It starts in your church. It starts in community. It just keeps going out and it works outward and, and onward. And that's why I always say, love God, love people, and you will love ministry. Or connect with God, connect with people, and connect in different types of ministry. As we model Christ in our daily life, we want to push back darkness and be attracted to the light. Or you will run from the light. And those who reject Jesus Christ have rejected the life. Now, if we want to overcome darkness, it's about salvation first. Then growing and maturing in your faith. And then working at making disciples. 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, and we're wrapping this up tonight, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal processions in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. If we want to overcome darkness, then we have to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? If you want to help in this process, it's not a natural work. It's a supernatural work. It starts by receiving Jesus and then following and obeying his principles. In just a moment, we're going to receive communion. Just another moment. And we'll do that as a family of God. But I want to give you a chance to respond so saints of God, just start examining your hearts and, and speak to the Lord and, and repent for your sins and ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him why I feel a certain way that I feel and am I living the life that you've called me to live the way you called me to live it? Speak to Him. Praise His name. Continue to elevate Him in your praise and your worship. He's called you out of darkness into the light. But there might be some here and some listening over the social media who's never received Jesus Christ. Or if they would die today, they really don't know where they would go. If that's you, you're still living in darkness. Let me just tell you that. And this could all change right now in a second. You can, you can go from darkness into light just like that. That's how fast it can happen. To become a Christ follower. And then you receive communion. And then you continue living the life that you were called to live. Taking communion is for Christians. Saints of God, disciples of Christ. We do this in remembrance of Him. We do this out of obedience. So let's just take a moment, a pause, just, just a few seconds. Speak to Him from your heart. And to those who never received Jesus Christ, if you would just say this in your heart and know this, that if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And I ask you, are you putting your trust and faith in him and him alone? Speak to him from your heart. He will forgive you. But if you can't proclaim it outwardly, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I'm not sure you're saved. 
If you have never confessed it to anyone else, I'm not sure you're saved. It's not for me to decide though. I won't decide if you're going to hell or not. King Jesus will. But if you receive Jesus today, tell somebody, find a, a church, and the Lord will bless you richly. Start living for him. And so, as we segue into communion, and after examining our hearts and saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and, and those who want to receive him, just speak to him from your heart and say, I, I, I want to know you more, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. Be Lord of my life. So after examining our heart, repenting for our sins, take the bread and we bless it. So let me do that now and then I'll just have a portion of scripture to read. Father God, we remember the work on the cross that you have done. You gave your life to forgive us of our, our sins, to remove the sting of death. Lord, we remember what you've done and we thank you for the cross and your body. Bless this bread, I pray. And when he has given thanks, he broke it. He said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do remembrance of me. Let's do this together as a family. In the same manner, he took this cup and he blessed it. Father God, I bless this cup, oh God. And I bless your saints that are doing this process near and far, here and at home or away and at work. Visit them, Lord. Touch their hearts, oh God. Remember your blood that was shed on the cross, the pain, the suffering. By your stripes, we are healed. We claim that for ourselves, O oh God. We believe in the resurrection and the power of the resurrected one. That if we were to die today, we would be immediately with you in glory. We remember what you've done on the cross. Bless this cup in Jesus' name, amen. And the Lord said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink this cup together, remembering what the Lord has done. Would you stand with me, church? Let's just sing this one last song before we leave. Hallelujah.
thank you, Lord. Help us to push back darkness, oh God. We love you today, oh Lord God. Be with us. Give us safe traveling home, Lord. As, as we know there's ice and, and rain out there, oh God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will be with our people, Lord God, and bless them until we all come back again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God be with you.